1: to go to Psalm 33. <clears throat> so I'm not going to keep rereading the one verse in John 10, 27. I'll quote it to you. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they know me and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. They know, or let me back up. I know them and they follow me. I think it's important to understand." that I misquoted that he did not say they know me he said I know them the reason he said I know them is because you have intimate relationship with God if you have intimate relationship with God he knows you Uh, there's a lot of people that say they know God and honest truth is they pretty much just kind of know about him But if he knows you, you're walking in intimacy. So for us to understand about hearing his voice in that verse, again, he said, I am the good shepherd, relating to this before he got to verse 27, and my sheep, say my sheep, say this, his sheep. He said, my sheep hear my voice. And again, I know them and they follow me. So what does it mean to be one of his sheep? Well, it's certainly not just talking about being born again. Because there's people born again that don't have intimate relationship with God. There's people, sadly, that are born again that don't follow in his footsteps. But if we're his sheep, that means we're under his care. So that's a key nugget that what, we, what we've been touching on over and over and over again, if you truly want to hear his voice, guess what you got to do? Make sure you're under his care. Make sure that you are allowing him to be able to take care of you and to do what is necessary to help you every day to walk closer to him. I'm going to show you some more verses here talking about the significance of God's plan for your life. If we don't know how to hear his voice and follow him, we cannot walk out what is his plan. Say, his plan is always good. Now, not only is it good, but it also does what? It succeeds, never fails. We've seen many verses on that. Let's look at some more. This is just, again, I told you this morning, there's so many verses on this all through the Bible. Just good to be reminded of them and see them. Psalm 33, verse 10. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations. Now, nations here just refers to all different ethnic groups. He brings the counsel. So what would the counsel of the nations be? Their plans. Their plans, all the different plans of all the nations. What have we learned now through three different parts of this series already? There are many plans in a man's heart. Are those God's plans? No, if they're man's plans, they're certainly not God's. But it's the Lord's counsel, His intention for us that stands. So this is a similar statement here, but it's referring to the fact now, talking about the, the nations, the different, all different aspects of nations, of people throughout the world. The Lord brings this council of nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the people of no effect. Meaning what? So He can't bless you if you're walking out your plan. If you're walking out your plan, He cannot endorse that and obviously help bring that to pass. Verse 11, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. Yes. Not the counsel of nations. It's the counsel of the Lord that does what again? Stands forever. Now, it's cool to know that I can receive the Lord's counsel. It's cool to know that I can have him counseling me, guiding me, directing me, and instructing me in this life. So it's the counsel of the Lord that stands for how long? Forever. forever. The plans of his heart to all generations do what? Stand forever. Forever. The plans of his heart, what he has intended for our lives, individually, for the church as a whole, as well as even other people that don't know him yet, he already made plans for their life. Verse 12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. So the the term nation, again, it doesn't matter what ethnic group you're from. You don't have to be a Jew to get in on this. Of the Jewish nation. You can be of any ethnic group. Doesn't matter. The key here is, again, I got to do what? I got to have God as the Lord. So this is what we're talking about. In relationship to the New Testament, what's a sign? What's an indication, pastor, that I'm under his care? He truly is the Lord of your life. Read it again. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Whose God is what? The Lord, The people he has chosen has his own inheritance. Now, he's chosen us. But whether we truly walk in a light of him being our Lord or not is up to us. So one of the ways that you and I get under his care is make sure he is Lord over my life. Now, a lot of people would say, well, he already is. I've already been born again. Well, you had to call upon the name of the Lord to be born again. Well, what's Lord mean? Supreme... In authority. If he's the Lord of my life, what does that mean? I'm not calling the shots. I'm not just doing every day what I think I should do. I'm not just going by whatever events or circumstances happen in life, opportunities that come or don't come. No, I'm going to Jesus, the Lord of my life, and saying, you show me what I need to do. We'll get into this. There'll be one of the times, we might touch on it Wednesday, but there'll be one of these messages that will say, how not to be led by God. And you'll be amazed at how many of the ways that we're not to be led by God, people are trying to be led by God. Because they're not following what the Bible says. And I've told you this already in a couple instances, but one of the ways that we're not led by God is by opportunity. We don't go by opportunity. I said, we don't go by opportunity. If you go by opportunity, in the natural, in any way, shape, or form, you got an enemy in this world. He can open and close doors. If you don't believe that, he does it all the time. He, I I don't like to say it, but it's the truth. I mean, but it's the facts. He has more influence over more people on the earth than God does. Look at the earth as a whole. If that wasn't true, think about how different our world would be in relationship to people walking with God. Right? I mean, we would literally see God dominating throughout the world through his people, but that's not the case. Right? Is he dominating in our government right now in America? No. So we clearly know that therefore his lordship of influence isn't over most of the people in our government, is it? What about other parts of the world? No. There's a lot of other parts of the world where the Muslim faith is the dominant faith. That's not the Lord ruling. Come on, somebody. Now, we don't need to worry about all the different nations in our government. What do we need to take care of? Say me. So again, watch. I want you to read these verses with me. Verse 10, the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing, meaning I cannot empower them to fulfill their plan. Now, if this means that he thwarts and stops all the plans of the nations, well, we wouldn't have all this goofy, weird stuff going on. But that's not what it means. He's saying, I can't endorse it. If it's a plan of yours, I cannot help bring that to pass. He He makes the plans of the people of what of no effect. Meaning, I can't help bring that into into being. Verse eleven. It's my counsel. Yes. So look at it it's like God saying, it. "It's my counsel that stands forever. Yes. It's my plans, the plans of my heart, to all generations that will stand forever." And therefore, verse 12, blessed is the people whose God is the Lord. So you got to start asking yourself this question. On, a, on You should ask it on a regular basis. All my spiritual dads did it constantly. They said it in different ways, you know. God, am I okay with you? Our pastor has taught us. He says this all the time. And it's not like he has a concern that he's not. But I have a question. You ever thought about asking him? you just assume you are? Now, what do you mean by, am I okay with you? I don't mean like you're in some major sin or something, but am I doing what you want me to do? Amen. Am I where I'm supposed to be? Am I fulfilling what you want me to do as an individual? Our pastor does this all the time. His way of saying it to the Lord, I've heard him say it at many meetings. He said, I ask the Lord almost every day, Lord, am I okay with you? Has my mouth gotten out of line? Right. Yeah. Yeah. My pastor does this every day. Are my actions out of line with you? Am I doing things that you don't want me doing? Am I going places you don't want me going? Because I don't want to do that. I want to be in your perfect will. Well, you know what? I guarantee a lot of people don't understand. Part of having Jesus over the Lord, uh, excuse me, Jesus has the Lord over your life, part of that is simply this. You ready? Ask him. Yes. Talk to him every day. That's right. Amen. Don't just assume because our pastor doesn't assume, right? Right? Sumrall, man, he would do it in a different way, but Sumrall basically would say the same thing, always addressing the Lord to say, I want to know that I'm carrying out what you've assigned for me to do. If my assignments change, show me. If I'm doing something wrong, show me. But see, God, a lot of people would just think, well, if I'm doing something wrong, surely surely God would show me. He may try, but the reason a lot of people don't know is because, you know what, they don't ask him. Let me rush ahead of myself a little bit And then I'll rewind and back up. One of the nuggets we'll get into about being led by God. You ready? You ready? You need to be asking him all the time. Constantly. You have not because you ask not. You need to be talking to the Lord all the time. Now, listen, we don't pray to the Holy Spirit. There's no place in the Bible that says we pray to the Holy Spirit. We pray to the Father or we pray to Jesus. But we don't pray to the Holy Spirit. Wait a minute, but it doesn't mean you can't talk to him. He's your helper. I said he's your helper. Brother Hagin said, you ought to get to know him. Yes. But prayer is different. Prayer is a type of aspect of an acknowledgement of us acknowledging and yielding to the deity of our God. Asking him for what the Bible says we can ask, etc. Well, we go to God and God fulfills what we ask of him through the Holy Spirit. So we don't pray to the Holy Spirit, we pray to God. But it don't mean you can't talk to the Holy Spirit. That's right. Right. Amen. If he's your helper, if you had a helper beside you, right? Yeah. If you had a helper to go around with you every day, help you do things. But they've been told by the one that directs them, you don't do anything unless they ask you. Mm-hmm, right? And I'll tell you, that's the way God does with, does with the Holy Spirit. And so if you don't do anything until they ask you and you're just walking around, you don't ever ask them for help. Guess why you don't have help? You, you want to know the biggest reason the Holy Spirit helps more, some people more than others? Because they ask. Right. They ask for the help. So, so, again, this is talking about what I'm dealing with about lordship. However you want to word that. You should be asking the Lord, am I okay with you? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I where I need to be? Has my mouth gotten out of line? Has my attitude gotten bad? Am I doing things I shouldn't be doing? Am I going places I shouldn't be going? Because you want to maintain his lordship over your life. Well, guess what? He's not just going to step in and say, okay, I'm lord. Now, you just shut up and do what I tell you. No, he's a gentleman. And if you want his, how many you want his lordship? If you want his lordship, you got to ask him. You got to ask him. But I'll tell you what, he's a great lord. Because he don't lose any battles. He don't fail at anything. He succeeds in everything he does. And he wants to help you do that. And he's got a plan. Say he's got a plan. So how do you get blessed? Verse 12, I've got to make sure that my God is the Lord. That he's not just my God, that he truly is Lord over my life that I have submitted my life to him. Amen? Amen. The very ones that he's chosen of his own inheritance, which we are as born-again children of God. Any good amens on that? Isaiah 48. These are such incredible scriptures. And a lot of times we read over these and don't realize the significance of what they're telling us as it relates to God's leading, God's plan, how he's trying to help us. I'm so glad to know that God didn't just get me and you born again. To just bump through life on the planet, hoping somehow maybe we could find our way in the light of what God really wants us to do. I'm glad we don't have to go through life trying to figure it out. All we got to do is hear from God. Now, that's a total revelation to some people. You don't need to try to figure it out. You need to hear from God. Well, I'm trying to figure out how to do this. Why don't you stop? I know somebody smarter than you. I know somebody smarter than you. If you just take time to listen to God, God will help you figure it out. God will show you what you need to do. God will give you the guidance and the direction you need. What if I'm following the the guidance and direction uh, that God has for every aspect of my life and what I'm doing? Let me help you. You're not going to have any problem figuring stuff out. Are you listening? Because this is where, too, a lot of people, where they're trying to make something happen. They're trying to make something happen in relationship to what they're doing in their life. I will tell you, that's a sign you're probably not being led by God. Because you're trying to make it happen. You're not following God's leading. Jesus never tried to make ministry happen. Never did. Jesus didn't go somewhere and try to make healing happen. Or miracles happen. How do you know, Pastor? I don't do anything except what I see the Father doing. Jesus wasn't running around this planet saying, God, I got to make this happen. You know what he was doing? Following the leading of the Father. And when he followed the leading of the Father, guess what? Stuff happened. Tell your neighbor, you just learn to follow God, stuff will happen. Good Good stuff will happen. Amen. I said amen. Amen. So you and I aren't supposed to try to make stuff happen. Well, I'm trying to make my business work. Well, I'm trying to make my kids do this. Well, I'm trying to get my husband. Well, I'm trying to get my wife. Well, I'm trying to get my boss to to recognize. Let me help you. Stop doing all that stuff. Find out from God what God's directed you to do day in and day out. And guess what? You'll start seeing things change. For some of you, you need to get a hold of that. Because the more you're trying to make stuff happen, Jesus never did. He just followed the leading of the Father. God already had a plan. If God's got a plan, I don't got to try to make that building come into existence. What's my goal? Obey what God's telling me to do day by day to get there. I'm not trying to make that money show up. I'm not trying to make you give it. I'm not trying to make somebody else give it. I'm trying to obey God and how he's directing me to handle this whole building project. And if I do, I won't make anything happen. God will lead us right into it. I get a better amen Amen. now here's the other cool part about that the Holy Spirit's got me on that on purpose some of you need to hear it here's the other cool part about that if I'm not trying to make stuff happen guess how much less stressed you're going to be in life because you're not trying to figure it out what are you trying to figure out by the way what are you trying to figure out well if you quit trying to figure everything out just say God what I need to learn to do is hear from you and follow you I'll be good you already got everything figured out. Amen. All I got to do is follow you. will know, lead me into what you already figured out. Amen. So realize that you would live a whole lot less stressed life if you quit trying to figure everything out. Amen. Well, I prayed over you parents tonight at homeschooling. Quit trying to figure out everything relating to homeschooling. Trust God. God, I'm just going to follow your leading every day when I sit down with my kids. And as long as I'm doing that, guess what? I don't have to try to figure it out. That's right. Amen. Amen. Isaiah 48, I gave you plenty of time to get there. Hopefully you're there by now. Verse 17. 48, 17. You excited about this series? Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer. So right there we know, according to this verse, even though it's in the setting of the Old Testament, thousands of years before Jesus came, it's referencing the time of redemption. It's referencing the time of of when Jesus would come because it starts off with saying, notice this, thus says the Lord your Redeemer. Well, that's referring to the redemption we have in Christ Jesus. The Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God. Watch this, you ready? Yeah. So under our redemption as a child of God, God wants to do what? I will teach you to profit. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to get Chef to create a button for me that I can push that has the Jeopardy music that plays. No. You didn't hear that. You didn't hear what he just said. Yeah. I'll read it again. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer. Say this applies to me and my redemption. The Holy One of Israel. I'm the Lord, your God who teaches you to profit. Amen. How do you learn to profit? You let God teach you. You want a prophet, you let God teach you. You need God to teach you. You need God to be showing you what you need to be doing. You need to let God be showing you how to do it. See, the reality is, even as it relates to what you do in the context of spiritual life, even as a church or in an aspect of what you do in the natural, you can glean from people that are good at what they do and get some insight if God directs you to do so. But the truth is, he's directing you of what you need to know. That's all he's doing. If I'm following God's leading and I'm going in a direction that God wants me to go to learn from people I'm to learn from, you shouldn't just go learn from anybody just because they're good at something. You should follow that inward witness to say, should I learn from this person or should I not? There are some people that could have a really bad influence on you. We had a guy in our church years ago. He's long gone. He's in heaven. Don't. What, he wasn't a bad guy. I'm just using an example, So it's not who I'm talking about. It's what I'm talking about. And he was fairly successful in the natural look like in business. You know what he was teaching a lot of our business people? Listen, you have everybody pay in cash, and therefore you don't have to pay tax to the government. Think how much more money you'll have in your pocket. Let me help you. Jesus paid taxes. Now, had I known that was going on in my church? I found out later after they actually had gone away from our church. But one of the people was still here that was influenced by that, I said, let me tell you something. Let me show you what Jesus did. Okay, yeah, so Jesus had Peter go put in a hook and bring up one fish, and there was the tax money. God provided it, supernatural way. But guess what he did? He paid taxes. He didn't take money under the table and say, hey, boys, Jesus did not give this counsel to his disciples as business owners. Don't pay your taxes. Just take cash under the table. Let me help you. That advice is not scriptural because Jesus paid his taxes. So you could look at some, that looks successful. And obviously if God didn't lead you to learn from them, they could teach you some things that ain't good. Hurt your life. So it doesn't mean we can't glean from people, but we got to know, did God direct me to them? Did God lead me to them? Right? And obviously he may direct us to some people to learn some stuff that we need to learn. But we need to know he's leading us. I said, we need to know he's leading us. Because ultimately, he said, I'm the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit. So let me relate that to you in a way that you can understand both the way insight and information comes as well as provision. Okay? Who's your provider? Let me help you. It's not your job. It is not other people. They're not your provider. It is not your customers. Now, I understand from a business perspective. I get it. It is important to understand. My dad taught me this. When I started working for my dad... At the age of 13, in his plumbing warehouse in the summertime, the very first thing my dad did with me and my brother sat us down, 13, and at the time, 15, he sat us down, he said, who's the most important person in this company? You are, dad. You own it. (laughs) You're the president. He said, no, I'm not. The customer is. And if you don't take care of that customer, it don't matter if I'm the owner or not. If we don't have a customer, we don't have a business. Now there's a truth behind that that as a business, you are there to provide a service for your customer. As a believer, let me help you understand that a little better. You ready? All your customer is is a channel through which your source will provide income. Did you get that? Your customer is nothing more than a channel. They're not your source. They're not your provider. If I was to teach my kids today, I'm not faulting my dad, because he didn't know what I know. But if I was to teach my kids today, I would say, you know who the most important person is in this business? God is. Because if we don't hear from God, we're not walking out God's plan. Amen? And what God will do is he will use these people as a channel. Our context of where our source comes, comes from God. He'll use these people as a channel to bless us and help us. So we need to take care of the channel biblically, but they're not our source. God's our source. I say God's our source. Because even as hard as my dad tried to please all those customers, how many of you know you ain't going to please everybody? And there's people that get upset and get mad. Well, I'll take my business elsewhere. Well, I'm sorry. You know, we've done what we can. Well, you didn't have my part the time I needed it. I'm not the supplier who gets it in here. All I can do is order and wait for it to show up. Well, I'll go find somebody else and get my parts fast. We saw that happen all the time. Get them faster. So realize this: no matter what you're looking at in life, your job, come on, your business, hello, relating to actual income, they're not your source. They're your, they're a channel that God. You, if you look at that as your source, if you look at your job as your source, guess what? You're limiting to yourself to as, as income. Your source. That's it. So if you're saying my, my business or my boss, my job is my source, you're, that's it. You are limiting yourself to that only. And when God wants to try to bring more to you through a different channel, you're not going to know it because you're not looking to God as your source. You're looking to that one thing. You listening? That's just a channel. God has many channels. Say God has many channels. Look around the room. God has many channels. But he's what? He's the source. We don't look to the channel. Say we don't look to the channel. What do we look to? The source. So let's relay that to information. Are people my source of information? No, God is. God is. I haven't lost my point. God is the source of my information. He might use different channels to help me get that information. But God's the source. Because he's unlimited. If you're going by what one person can tell you, guess what? They're limited just like you. But when you look at God as your source of information, are you kidding me? He's unlimited. And yes, He will use people, but you also have a helper, and if you learn to listen to Him, He can pretty much show you anything you need to know. Back to verse 17. Thus says the Lord your Redeemer. Say, this is part of my redemption. Say it. This is part of my redemption. Say it again, please. Watch this. Thus says the Lord your Redeemer. Say, He's talking to me right now. See, who? when He makes that statement, here's another way to say it. You You ready? You ready? I'm speaking to the redeemed right now. Speaking to the redeemed. Thus says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God. Say, He is the Lord my God. Watch this. And notice this. Who teaches you to profit. Say, God is my source from where I learn how to profit. He's the one that teaches you how to profit. Last part of the verse. Who leads you by the way you should go? Who leads you by the way you should go. How many want to profit? Yes. How many want to be successful in every aspect of your life? Guess what you're going to have to have? You're going to have to have God as the source of where you are being taught and led in life. Yes. He's the source. Again, I, brought, I spent all that time to say, he might use different channels. Right? doesn't mean he doesn't use different channels at ways in context of things of life that we can glean from correct? Yes. If I go to God, although if I'm really close with God, I could figure this out to some degree. But if I go to God and want to learn how to weld, guess what God's going to do? Probably use a channel like a Josh Grimes who knows how to weld to show me. Right. Who showed him? Somebody else. Who ultimately learned about all that technology? Well, somebody learned of it, but where did it come from? I'll guarantee it wasn't the person who learned about the technology. God was the source of that technology. Right. Uh, You might think this is insignificant, but this has everything to do with hearing from God. God's the source of everything you need. Say it. Say it this way. God's my source of everything I need. When you make that a priority to understand he's my source of everything I need, guess what? He'll help you. He'll help you. He'll help you what? He again says, I'm going to do what? I'm going to be the one that will teach you to profit. I'm going to be the one to lead you in the way you should go. Somebody in the natural may look like they're profiting as a business or whatever. That don't mean God led them to do that. Man has learned some basic things based on what goes on in the earth to be able to walk out what we know of principles even in context of Scripture of which can work as a spiritual law in their life. But that doesn't mean, again, everybody that is obviously prospering is walking with God. Amen? 1 Samuel 13. 1 Samuel... 13, because sadly, there's a lot of deceived people in this world. It's like the, it's like the, the gal, that little gal I was referencing this morning about who claims to be a Christian witch. There ain't no such thing, but she thinks she is, and she thinks that God's endorsing what she's doing because some people told her that. And and, and it's sad to understand that people are so deceived by this kind of stuff that they don't even realize where the source of that's coming from. She thinks God's speaking. No, 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 no. God never violates his word. There's somebody speaking, all right, that knows that information. How could the devil know those things about her, pastor? Because he sees what you do day in and day out. The devil has no problem. He got demons that follow people around. When it comes to words and knowledge and relationship, knowing something that I couldn't have known, I'll guarantee you what, if you couldn't have known it, then you now know it, it came from one of two sources. It came from God or the devil. Because the devil sees things people do. How do you think, quote unquote, you know, uh, uh, fortune tellers, how do you think they get people hooked? I'll tell you how. They start talking about things that they see of them that they've done. Places they've lived, people in their family, how many brothers and sisters, that kind of stuff. That's all natural knowledge in the earth that demons know about. But once they got you hooked, whoa, wow, you must must be a true psychic. Then all of a sudden the demon switches to trying to direct you in a way that obviously isn't of God. Well, here's what you need to do with your future. You need to immediately give this much money to me. And if you'll give this much money to me, guess what? You'll start seeing things turn around for you, whatever they do. But it's a hook. All it is is a, a, a bait and trap system that Satan uses to deceive people, mislead people. First Samuel 13. I want to show you that you've got to make sure you understand the significance of walking in God's plan and not what is your plan. If you're walking out what is your plan and not God's, God can't bless it and it's not going to turn out good. Now, Saul here has been instituted now as king. In chapter 13, he's now been the king for three years. So he's just kind of getting started. Right before this... Uh, Samuel actually acknowledged him and recognized him as the king of Israel. By the way, was that God's plan? This is why they had so many problems in the Old Testament. I asked a question, was that God's plan? He didn't want them to have a king. He wanted to be the one to direct them. He wanted to be the one to lead them. Well, why did God give them a king? Because he knows they're not going to stop until they get one. So at least I might as well choose who that is to try to help them. But this was never God's plan. I said it was never God's plan. So it's not like God blessing their plan. No. But if he chooses the right people, he can help them to a degree. So Saul gets chosen as the first king. Now Saul is facing battle with the Philistines. Philistines are fighting against them and in the midst of them battling against the children of Israel. And Of course, Saul being the king, he's got to do something about this. And we read here in this story about the significance of what actually the Philistines did at this time in, in the area that they're in, uh, Saul being in Gerar and where the battle was going on, that all of a sudden it looks like they kind of got them surrounded. Well, before all of this had ever happened, literally as the, as the prophet Samuel knew, they would wind up here where they're at, Saul and Gerar. He said, I will come to you in seven days. Don't do anything till I get there. Wait till I get there. Now, the significance of Samuel saying that to him and why that was important for him to follow is because Samuel was anointed by God as a prophet of God to speak for God. They were known as seers in the Old Testament. They saw things God would show them by the Holy Spirit, anointed by the Holy Spirit that was of God. So, Samuel before this has told Saul, You go to Gerar, you wait there seven days until I come. Don't do anything. Don't do anything till I come. Now, listen, this wasn't Samuel saying this. This was God telling Samuel to tell Saul, this is my plan. So what's the plan, Saul? What's God's plan? Go to Gerar and wait for seven days until Samuel shows up. That's the plan. Let's see if he followed it. Verse 6, when the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed. So what do we not go by? External circumstances. What's going to happen here? These people being distressed are going to put pressure on Saul to try to influence what he does. See, the devil has all different kinds of ways of trying to mislead you, get you under pressure, get you under different types of of aspects of uh, things that go on in the world of influence from around you to try to get you to make wrong choices, wrong decisions, because he can control those things. So the people were distressed, verse 6, then the people hid in caves, in thickets, in rocks, in holes, and in pits. And some of the Hebrews, verse 7, crossed over the Jordan, back over the Jordan, to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was still where in Gilgal. And all the people followed him trembling. So here he is, actually, in Gilgal, where Samuel told him to go, wait for him, seven days, and I'll be there. What did I say a minute ago? I don't think I said Gilgal. So he's in Gilgal, verse 8. Notice this. Then he waited seven days, according to the time set by Samuel. Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. Now, it doesn't mean he didn't show up on time. He just didn't show up at the start of the seventh day. And Saul, at this point, is getting feeling pretty pressured. All the people are distressed. They're hiding out, and the Philistines look like they're about to overtake them. Verse 9, so Saul said, watch this, Bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Let me help you. The king was never allowed to do so. Whose responsibility is it to offer the burnt offerings and the peace offerings before the Lord? The prophet only. Another way you could say it, that's not Saul's anointing. Saul's not anointed to offer those burnt offerings. Saul's not anointed by God to offer those peace offerings. He's getting out of his calling. He's getting out of what he's supposed to do as a king. You listening? So he's basing this, doing this based off the pressure of what's going on around him instead of obeying God. You better learn to obey God no matter how much pressure gets on you. Can I get a better amen? amen? And if you keep your focus on the right thing, you don't have to get under that pressure to begin with. You can know I'm in the plan of God. So they bring him what's needed for a burnt offering and a peace offering. Verse 10, notice this. And it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering. Think about that. He got the thing fired up, going good. He brings the burnt offering. He brings the peace offering. And they're just finishing up doing so. And lo and behold, notice this, Samuel came. Verse 10. Here comes Samuel. Still the seventh day. He showed up. Not at the time Saul wanted him there. But he was still there on the seventh day. So here comes Samuel. And Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. Samuel, the seer, the prophet of God said, What have you done? What have you done? Saul said, When I saw that the people... What's he focused on? He ain't focused on what is God's plan here. What's he focused on? He's focused on the pressure he's getting from the people. If you focus on anything in the natural, the devil's already got opportunity to take advantage of you and get you out of the very will of God. Get you out of the plan of God. Samuel's the prophet. Samuel spoke for God. Wait till I come. Period. Period. Yeah, but the people, wait till I come. But he didn't do so. Again, verse 11, what have you done when I saw the people Saul said were scattered from me and that you did not come within the days appointed that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash? Well, actually he did, just not at the very beginning of that seventh day. He showed up just like he said, but he came towards the end of the seventh day. 12, then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. So who did the king make supplication to the Lord through? The prophet. That's not his job. He would call on the prophet to do that. So when he says, I had not made supplication, meaning we had not made supplication to God because we didn't have you here. Therefore, I felt compelled. I want you to underline that. I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. Now, we're going to talk about this as we go through this series. You're going to see phrases in the New Testament where, in relationship to obeying the leading of God, the disciples said, It seemed good to us, but they never used the word I felt. Amen. No, that's right. Seemed good, that came from the Spirit. I felt, that's not from the Spirit. It's how you feel about the situation. What's Paul going, oh, excuse me, what's Saul going by here? How he felt about the situation. Well, if you're going by how you feel, what are you going to wind up going by? Your plan. Guess what your plan ain't? God's plan. Say, my plan ain't God's plan. So what did Saul do? Saul had two violations. He got out of the plan of God and he tried to actually step into an office that he's not anointed to be in. There's so many people trying to do in relationship to ministry things God never anointed them to do. And if God didn't anoint you to do it, you could desire all day long. It could be a good desire. You could have a good intent. You may really want to help people. But if God didn't anoint you for it, let me help you, Saul. Things aren't going to turn out good. You listening? I said, you listening? listening? So notice this, he goes on here and he says very clearly, I felt compelled, verse 12, and offered a burnt offering. He should have known better. Why? God has never allowed any king to allow, he's the first king, but very clearly told him, this is Samuel's job, not yours. 13, Samuel said to Saul, watch this, you have done what? Foolishly. Foolishly. Remember what we read this morning in the Proverbs? If you seek and get God's counsel, what will you be in your latter days? Wise. Guess what Saul ain't walking as now? wise. He's walking as a fool. You've done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. Now, that day, how did he command him in relationship to what he had for him to do? Through Samuel the prophet. Because Saul didn't have the Holy Spirit to lead him. Samuel had the Holy Spirit to help give guidance and direction. He said again, very clearly, he said, you have done foolishly. You've not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. If he would had done what? Obeyed what God told him to do. Look at verse 14. But now your kingdom shall not continue. Meaning what? You're not going to walk out what God had intended for your life because you've chosen not to do things God's way. You cannot walk out what God has planned for your life if you don't do it God's way. God doesn't change. Malachi one: I am the Lord; I do not change. And change in the New Testament. God cannot bless our plans because our plans are not going to carry out what God intended for our life. What he gifted you to do, what he enabled you to do, what he needs you to do. He knows the influence you have in certain places that other people don't have. He knows gifts you got that other people may not have. Again, he says, but now, verse 14, your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept, underline it, you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. You have not followed the direction God gave through me, the prophet of God. Well, if you don't follow the direction God has available to you, what if you don't know it? How could you follow it then? I need to know. I said, I need to know. I need to know what God wants me to do, or I certainly can't follow what God has for me intended, uh, has intended, excuse me, for me, for my life. Right? right? But once I know, guess what I gotta do? I gotta stick with it. Right. So again, as I spoke this morning, there are several reasons why people don't see true success in the sense of what God calls success. How many of you know success isn't based on the aspect of what we think of numbers? Right. How many people you you think you influence or how many things you change or whatever. How many of you understand success in the eyes of God comes down to one thing? Does anybody know what it is? Did. did you obey God? Philip, did you go stand in the desert and reach that one eunuch? While Paul's shaking the nations? And you're going to go stand in the desert and wait for one guy in a chariot. That's right. name. Guess what? Philip was as great a success as Paul was. That's right. Because he, in lot, we don't see this a lot of time. He won that one eunuch, but guess what that one eunuch did? He changed the whole, uh, whole country of Ethiopia. He got the, the queen born again, and then the whole entire uh, uh, country of Ethiopia got born again during that time. That's a pretty cool deal. Amen. Can I get a better amen? amen. So we got to do what? We got to obey what God's called us to do. Mm-hmm. A lot of people could look at a Billy Graham wanting to go into ministry and say, I'm going to be a Billy Graham. You shouldn't say that unless God wants you to be. That's right. You need to be who you are, That's right. who God called you to be. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Now, how many know after this things didn't go well for Saul? They did not go well. And the Bible even says he died as if he was never anointed in the king position. Never anointed as a king. Why did this happen to Saul? Because he didn't follow God's plan. Say it. He didn't follow God's plan. Guess what he did? He tried to alter it. He was still dealing with the Philistines. God told him to. But guess what he didn't do? He didn't do it the way God said. You didn't hear that. He was still dealing with the Philistines, which God told him to. But guess what he didn't do? He didn't do it the way God said. You might even be trying to do something God told you to do, but are you doing it the way he said? That's the key. Now, don't get so concerned about this like you go home tonight and you're sitting there all night long and can't sleep because you're like, oh, God, I don't know if I'm doing everything. "Don't Don't go there. I said, don't go there. I said, don't go there. God knows your heart. What you need to do is simply say, God, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. I want to be in your plan, and I thank you that I'm going to learn how. You're going to show me how to get in your plan. Because some people take this to the stream, now they get all nervous and upset and excited and think, oh, my gosh, what if I'm not doing what God wants me to do? Am I going to wind up with something like Saul? Remember what he just said? God has now chosen a man after his own heart. What, What did God know about Saul? He really was not after God's heart. But guess he was after him. King David. King David. Did David make some mistakes? Sure did. But did God still help him? Yes. Yep, because why? His heart was to honor God. I've, I've told you this for years. As a pastor, for 33 years, I've told this to this church. One of the most critical things for you to live out every single day as a believer is ask yourself this question. Does my heart, my interior being... My spirit and my soul want to honor God with my life. If it is truly that, that, if that's truly the case, guess what? You're going to be okay. I said you're going to be okay. Because if you really want to honor God with your life, it doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes. But you know what you'll do? You'll correct them. You'll fix them. You'll keep learning. How I many you know God doesn't expect you to do what you don't know? Right? It's like a parent. How would you, why would you expect a child to do something they don't know? They haven't been trained yet. haven't been taught yet. But if they have a heart to learn right? Then you can show them. Does it mean they learn instantly? No. Takes some time. God's the same way. Aren't you glad? He's patient with us. He's loving. He's merciful. So the key comes down to this. For those of you that would go to the other extreme, oh my gosh, what if I'm not doing this God's way? What if I don't? no, 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 no. Look at your heart. What is your heart? Does your heart desire to honor the Lord? If it does, just like David, guess what? You're going to be okay. So I'm going to be okay. Now, we don't take that to stay ignorant of not knowing how to follow God. We should say, thank God because my heart set on him. I can learn to follow him. I can know how to follow him. Any good amens on that? But this is just to prove again, God can't do what? He can't bless your plan. John 16. We got to be in God's plan. So let's start getting into some understanding of how we do this. I'm going to start with a, a simple little truth to begin with tonight. And then we'll pick this up Wednesday night. Am I helping you at all? Yes. John 16. Because I don't want anybody to leave here thinking, oh, my gosh, if I'm not doing this just right, if I'm not saying everything just right, if I'm not walking everything just right, oh, God can't bless me, I can't. No. Remember what God looks at. He looks at the heart. Amen. Aren't you glad? Yes. He knows your heart. He knows the intent of your heart. And if your heart is to do what's right in the side of God, I'm going to tell you for the third time tonight, you're going to be okay. I've never seen anybody that I've had in my church as a pastor who had an intent to do right in the sight of God ever not grow, develop, and continue to get better at walking with God. Everybody that I've seen that has an intent and a heart to do that, guess what? Their lives have not gotten worse. Their lives have gotten better. The ones that I've seen get in trouble is the ones who actually get their heart back on the world and the things of this world. And God becomes secondary. And takes a back seat. And when that happens, you're going the wrong direction. Right? Right? Right. One of the things we'll talk about in this series is you can't hear clearly from God and live an ungodly life. They don't go together. I said you can't hear clearly from God and live an ungodly. If you want to hear from God, you can't live an ungodly life. But what we're going to show you that a lot of people when you start talking about living ungodly, they're just thinking external. They're just thinking aspects of sin, et cetera, et cetera. Ungodly refers to what you don't want to do to affect your inner man. I don't want to allow things that I know I don't have to, that I have a choice over, of which God has nothing to do with. What does ungodly mean? He has nothing to do with it. If God has nothing to do with it, guess what I need to do if I have a choice? Have nothing to do with it. You want to live a godly life? Than things that have nothing with God. I, I'm not going to go to get involved again with entertainment and things of which God has nothing to do with. If I stay away from that, guess what I'm not doing? I'm not going to live an ungodly life. Amen. I'm going I'm to make sure God's involved. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. John 16. So let's learn a little bit better about how you and I, as New Testament believers, then learn to hear his voice and follow his voice. What do you say? Yes. That's three of you. Yes. John 16. I'm going to show you one verse here tonight, 13, 16, 13. However, when he, now if you want to know the context here, we'll read it, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage I go away. If I don't go away, guess what? This helper will not come to you. Up until this time, who's been guiding them? Jesus. Up until this time, who's been answering their questions? Jesus. Who's been helping them understand what they're to do day in and day out? Jesus, but he's about to leave. So, guess what? He's going to say, Hey, uh, even though I'm going to be gone, you're not going to be without help. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Aren't you glad? Yes. It's to your advantage to go away. Why was it to their advantage that he goes away? If Jesus wouldn't have gone away, guess what? We would have all had to get to Jesus. And not everybody could do that. Could you see all the body of Christ today trying to hang around with Jesus? <laughs> trying to go where Jesus is going? But the Holy Spirit will come to every believer. A helper will be with every believer. Notice, I tell you the truth, it's your advantage. I go away. If I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I'll send him to you. And when he comes, notice this, what's he going to do initially? He's going to convict the world of sin. Say he did that for me. So this is talking about the aspect of those who are still in the world, not born again. They're sinners. What did he do in your life? He convicted you of the sin nature. Notice it's sin singular, not sins plural. I've pointed that out many times. Why? Because it's not your sins that's the problem. It's the sin nature inside you that caused you to commit the sins. You get rid of the sin nature, you're on the way to getting rid of the sins. And therefore, He's not going to convict you of all your sins, nor should we. Nor should we go around and say, well, you're doing this and this and this and this and this, you sinner. You're going to hell. No, they're not going to hell because of all those sins. Why are they going to hell? Because of the sin nature, the separation from the Father. That's the problem, the root of what's going on with what's seeing in the outspring of their life is the sinful nature on the inside. Holy Spirit will convict the world of that sin nature and of what? And of righteousness, what's right in the sight of God. Now, the context here, convicting of righteousness, what do you mean convict of righteousness? He's going to bring a conviction to those who repent to know there's only one way to get right with God. You listening? Because in their day, who thought they were right with God? The people we would have thought were really truly people walking with God, which would have been the religious people of the day. But they weren't convicted about righteousness because they were trying to earn it themselves. So the Holy Spirit's going to bring this conviction to you about this righteousness or about what is clearly right standing with God that only comes through Jesus Christ. And he's also going to bring a conviction of what? Judgment. Wow. Conviction of judgment? Yeah. He is going to bring the Holy Spirit a conviction upon the sinner. There's a judgment to come. On the believer, there's a judgment to come. Not convict like make you feel bad, but understand we're all going to give an account. Yes. Sinners before the white throne judgment, us before the judgment seat of Christ. I'm glad I'm going to that one. Nine. Of sin, he tells you what the context of all the convictions about. He'll convict them of sin because they don't what? If you don't believe in Jesus, what do you still have in you? A sin nature. So he's going to convict those who don't believe in me yet that they have a sin nature. That's how they they truly know they need a Savior. Not because you were somebody smart and was able to explain the gospel in a way that got them born again. No, you're just being used by God to share what he told you to share in relationship to revealing that sin nature. Holy Spirit's the one that brings the conviction. When when you do that, they say, you're convicting me. You know what you can say? No, I'm not. (laughs) No, I'm not the convictor. There is one that is convicting you. It's called the Holy Spirit. He's the convictor. You still with me? He's going to convict them of sin, verse 9, because they didn't believe in me. Ten, of righteousness because I go to my Father, you see me no more. In other words, he's going to convict you that the only way into righteousness is through me. Once I go to the Father, you can now be born again and be right with God. There is no other way of judgment because guess what? The ruler of this world is judged. Acknowledging the fact that Satan will not win in the end. There's an ultimate judgment for everybody, even including the believer. uh, Verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, you, but now uh, notice this. You cannot bear them now. Why? Because you don't have the helper yet to reveal this stuff. But you're going to. 13, however... When he underline this please, the spirit of truth. Spirit. Say spirit of truth. Spirit. Say it out loud, please. Spirit. What is he again? Spirit of truth. So let's define first of all what truth is. What is truth? God's Word. John seventeen seventeen. My word is truth. He is the spirit of what? The Word. What you hold in your hand was authored by the Holy Spirit. God used the Holy Spirit. To come upon men, just men, to write what we have in our hand, known as the word of God, the truth. So he is again going to be called the spirit of truth, meaning what? Therefore, what? what is the very first thing this helper is known as to us, the spirit of? So guess where we start in the leading of, of, of God directing us, the word. That's where you start. It's where you begin. You never stop, but that's where it begins. You don't try to you don't try to learn how to follow the witness without first of all learning how to follow the word. He's the Spirit of Truth. Why? Because you could think the Holy Spirit's leading you to do something, but if it's out of line with the Word, you're you may even be deceived. You know, I I was telling Kathy and I were talking about this. So back to the little gal that got the prophecies. You know, that was the little witch in this deal. I said, what I feel bad for is the gal who gave the two different women who gave the prophecy who thought that was God. They really did. They were well intentioned. They weren't. They're not like, hey, we're gonna mislead her, and they didn't know she was in witchcraft. They didn't know what she was doing. But you know what else they didn't know? They didn't know who was telling them what they were telling them. I would want to help them understand, listen, you're hearing from a spirit, but it ain't the Holy Spirit. And if you would learn this better, the truth, he's the spirit of truth. He would never speak contrary to this. Never. Can I get a better amen? Notice this. When the spirit of truth has come, what will he do? Tell me. So step one, how do we get led by God? The word the word what is the number one way primary way God leads us the word of God primary way this spirit of truth is going to come and guide us what into all truth now one translation says it this way which kind of is more of the original Greek rendering you ready he is gonna he's gonna the spirit of truth is gonna come he's gonna guide you in truth in truth I like that better into all truth in truth. He's going to guide you in truth. Meaning what? He's going to guide you in the word. He's going to guide you in the word. That's what he's going to do. Notice this because he will not what? He will not what? Speak on his own authority. Well, What's the word of God? It's what God spoke. So the Holy Spirit's not going to speak on his own. Notice, but whatever he hears, he will do what? He will speak and he will do what? tell you things to come now not only can he do that directly as a word from God but as you and I know again because he's the spirit of truth where's the first key that we're going to be able to pick up from the Holy Spirit what he's trying to reveal to us God's word because what he authored in this book he didn't come up with himself God inspired him to have them write it can I get a better amen so again he is going to do what he is going to guide you into all truth say the word and the witness. How does God lead us? The word and the witness. Go to Second Timothy 3 in closing. Come on quickly. Second Timothy 3. I'm running out of time. Hallelujah. Well, you already ran out of time, Pastor. I saw you touch your watch. Now, I said it early because I know if I said it right on the time I'm to quit, I'm in trouble. Second Timothy. Now, if God told me to go longer, I would. Don't misunderstand me. But 2 Timothy chapter 3, go there. So what's the first key to us learning to hear our shepherd's voice? The word of God. The word of God. Now, if you haven't already picked up on it, how is God going to lead us in this life? Through the helper. Through the helper. What's the helper here to do? He's a guide. He will guide you. He will guide you. Who's your guide? The Holy Spirit. How am I going to be led through this life? Through the guide. The reason they couldn't under the Old Testament is all all of them couldn't have the Holy Spirit with them. You can. To your advantage. How's God going to guide you? Through the guide. How's the guide? So I want you to get this. I want you to get this. You ready? How's God going to guide you? All right, let let me give you the answer. I'll give you the answer up front. I'll give you the answer up front. Here's the first answer. You ready? Through the guide. Say that. So say, That's the answer. So here's the question. How God's, how's God going to guide you? See, we're talking about like even looking God as God is the source and, and different between the channel. Who's the ultimate source to who God's going to lead us? The Holy Spirit. How's God going to guide you? Through the guide, the Holy Spirit. Right? That's how he's going to guide you. As God's going to guide you through the Holy Spirit, what's the channel by which he's going to do that? Through the word and the witness. Through the word and the witness. Amen. Amen. Amen? Amen? Where's the source? Holy Spirit. What channel is he going to use? The Word and the witness. Because see, a lot of people get, get caught up looking to a witness instead of the source, which is the Holy Spirit. People can do it religiously. They can look to the Word as my guide, and if they look to the Word as my guide, guess what? They can even make the Word say what they want it to say because they're not focused on the source, which is the Holy Spirit. That's true. That's true. Who, who is the source as my guide? Holy Spirit, what channels is he going to use? The Word and the witness. So really, when we say, how is God going to lead you? I gave you the answer already. How is he going to lead you? The guide. the guide, the Holy Spirit. What's he going to use? He's going to use the Word and the witness. Now, you might think that's just trivial, but that's powerful. Because I know people that look to the Bible, but honestly, they're not really hearing from the Holy Spirit. They can literally take the Bible and make it say whatever they want it to say. So if you say, I'm being led by the Word... There's no place that the Bible said you're to be led by the word. You're supposed to be led by the witness, by the the Holy Spirit, by the guide. Hallelujah. What does he use to lead you? The word and an inward witness. I'm going to say it one more time. You ready? How's God going to lead you? Through the guide, the Holy Spirit, right? Right? How's the guide going to do that? To the word and the witness. Remember that. Your focus is not the word and the witness. You got to obviously have that as a part of your life, but your focus is the Holy Spirit who's going to show you through the word and the witness how to be led. Do you got that? All right, Second, Timothy 3. So with that thought in mind, let me close here in the next few moments. We'll come back and pick this up because I won't be able to get to all this tonight. I want you to see this. So where do we start with in relationship to being led by God as to the channel God will use? We start with the word of God. We always start in with the Word of God. Even if it's an inward witness, we still go back and start and end with the Word of God because He's always going to be in line with the Spirit of what? Or, excuse me, the Spirit of God's always going to be in line with what? The truth. The Word. So in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 here, it says all Scripture. That's why I go to this verse because it's referring to what? All Scripture. How much would that be? All. Give me a good Texas all again. Yeah, come on, you can do better than that. So tell your neighbor, that means all. all. All what? Scripture. What you hold in your hand. Old Testament and New. All Scripture is given by what? Inspiration of God. Now, the phrase there is the breath of God. Guess what the Holy Spirit's also known as? The breath of God. So you and I know that all of the Scripture that is in our hands is given by inspiration of the breath of God, the Holy Spirit, through the Father, from the Father. Notice what it is. It's profitable. Say profitable. Didn't God just tell us in Isaiah... That that he would teach us to profit, yes. didn't he say that? Yes. By also leading us, how's he going to do that? The word yes. through the through the help of the Holy Spirit by the Word of God, he's going to show us how to profit. Yes. Right. Yes. So all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for what? For doctrine. Write these four things down. I'll come back go over with him on Wednesday. Can't can't do him justice tonight. So what we're getting from all scripture this is the key verse this is the key verse to picking up from the bible what god wants to help you with and guiding and leading you this is the key verse cuz it's it's the only aspect of a verse that refers to all scripture and what it's for old and new testament what's it for doctrine say doctrine, doctrine. for reproof say reproof for, reproof. for correction say correction. correction for instruction say instruction correction. in what in righteousness I call it the life cycle. The life cycle. Because the first thing you need for the word to do you any good is sound doctrine. What is doctrine? What is doctrine? If you think about this verse, what would it refer to as doctrine? I'll give you the direct word, but I mean, somebody could get this surely. What, I heard it. Teaching. Teaching. This word means teaching. See, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable, right? Okay. For what? Teaching. See, it doesn't profit me if I'm not taught the Word of God. Right. Amen. Amen. Now, you can study it, read it yourself, and the Holy Spirit's the true teacher. Yeah. He can teach you the Word. Doesn't mean you just got to sit under a teacher. Right. But you got to be taught, so I got to be taught. Right. You know why? Because you don't know everything you know yet. Yeah. You don't know everything you need to. Right. But thank God I got the ability to be taught. So this word is profitable for doctrine, teaching. It is profitable also for what? Reproof. So when the teaching comes, guess what's going to come in the midst of some of the teaching? Reproof. What is reproof? Now, I guarantee if you look at it directly from all Greek scholars, they'll tell you it's a conviction of sin or a conviction of wrong. Who's doing the convicting? Holy Spirit. How's he doing it through the word of God? If you looked it up in relationship to the overall aspect of what it refers to, as what Kathy just said, I've taught you this many times, it's an unveiling of wrong or revealing, if you want to say it that way. Reproof is a revealing of wrong wrong, or an unveiling of wrong. If you already think you're doing everything perfect, you're in trouble. I need constant reproof. You know, God almost reproves me daily, not because I'm living in sin. Because of little things I thought wrong, said wrong. To, to correct that immediately, say, no, don't do that. No, don't say that. No, don't think that about yourself, Daryl. If you walk close with God, reproofs the constant thing. This isn't God beating you up, making you feel bad. God's trying to help you understand. Don't do that. No, that's wrong. Don't say that. No, that's wrong. What's he doing? He's unveiling. He's revealing. Right? How do I know I've done wrong? The word of God tells me. If I get proper sound teaching, sound doctrine, just Justin revealed, I get what? I get reproof. I get unveiling of wrong because none of us are perfected. Amen. Tell your neighbor, I know you think you're pretty good, but none of us are perfect. Right? Po- po- point to somebody behind you and say, I know you think you're the perfect one, but you're not. <laughs> Amen. Everybody point at your pastor. Say, Pastor, you're not perfect. No, I'm not. There's not a perfect person on the planet. Let me help you. Don't try to think you got to become perfect because nobody is. The constant reproof is a loving father not bringing this harsh, quote-unquote, aspect of discipline. He's just saying, no, don't say that. No, don't do that. No, don't think that. That's not you. When you say stuff about you that ain't in line with the Word of God, if you live in the Bible and you listen to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is going to say, no, darling, that's not you. You're looking at the outward person again. It's not who you are. Come on. Yeah. So he brings reproof and unveiling of wrong. He also brings what? Correction. correction. Say correction. correction. So this is showing us how to correct things. How to get it fixed. Amen. What do I do to make this right? What do I do to get on the right track? What do I do to make, make sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And all this is coming from where? Scripture. scripture. Amen. This is all coming from Scripture. And it all comes from what? teaching whether the Holy Spirit's teaching you while you're reading it, while you're sitting in church being taught the Word of God, this is why you need the teaching of the Word. Yeah. It, it saddens me. I, it'll, it'll be now till, I, till I'm raptured off the planet. I believe I'll be here for the rapture. Maybe not, but, but I believe I will. It'll be this way. I, I, I've, I've dealt with myself long enough through the proof of God. I, I Don't misunderstand me. I don't care if people show up or not. I, I'm going to leave it alone because people will, people won't. Try. That's just the facts. Some will show up, some won't. It's just the way it works. But you think about a person that only comes to one church service a week. Do you know how many services they're missing in a year? Anybody know? 104. There's 52 weeks in a year. How many times do we meet here? What if you only come once a week? You're missing two services a week. Multiply that by 52. Come on, you mathematicians. How many is that? 104. Do you know how many messages you missed? 104. Do you think God had something to say in those 104 messages? Yes. Yeah, he did. Now, we're not going to make every service. No. Why? Because we're not perfect. Right. Right. We got stuff that goes on. We got things that happen. Right? right? right. I'm, not, I'm not coming down anybody missing church, so don't, right. don't take that to mean that. Right. I'm just trying to explain. If I have a choice to be, then I choose not to be. Okay. Think of how many people, this is why, why is it that the average church today only has a Sunday morning service? Because that's all people want. That's It's not because that's what God wants. Why do most churches, not this one, why do most churches only have one service a week? Because they're catering to the people. They're giving the people, we don't want you to feel pressured like you got to come to church. Well, number one, if you feel pressure about that here, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to make you feel that way, and I don't want to make you feel that way. You either want to be here or you don't, and it's okay with me if you can't make it and you don't want to be here. That's okay. I'm just explaining to you, you're missing out on a lot of teaching that can help bring reproof and correction. And the fourth one, instruction in how to do what's right. Meaning what? Guess what you're getting instruction on in this series? How to hear and follow God's voice. This is how you do it. You know how I know? You know how I know? Not just because I've been taught. Because I've proved it. I've lived it. Have I been perfect at following God's leading? No. I'll guarantee it. Just like I'm going to share and I'm going to give some more examples. As I gave you one this morning. There's been times in my life that I've allowed what's going on around me. Pressure. We got in a situation where we wound up uh, signing a lease. I did sign a lease to a building. Thank God God got, got rid of that lease. And I did it because of pressure. Yeah. I did it because of pressure. Even your pastors missed it. But I knew when I missed it. I knew, there was no doubt in my spirit. I missed it. There was no doubt. You know what you do? When, you know what that, like in this kind of a big decision, you know what you did? God be merciful. Lord help get, get me out of that deal. And he did. I said he did. You know why? God knew the intent of my heart. I wasn't trying to disobey God. I wasn't trying to go a direction we weren't supposed to go. Can I get a better amen? Say God looks at my heart. So, again, how does God lead us with his voice? How are we going to be led of God? The guide. guide. Come on, some of you are getting good at this. Who's going to lead you? The guide is. What's he going to use to do it? The word and the inner witness. But it starts with the word. Because you will not know if the inner witness is accurate if you don't know the word. I'll say that again. You don't know if the inner witness is accurate if you don't know the word.